Okay, welcome everybody. Uh, this is your host, Tony Rodriguez. This is another episode of FTU, Life After the Military. And I'm here with uh, my friend, my brother-in-law, Albert. Again, we don't use last names unless the person wants to um, divulge that information because they might want to run for political office or <laughs> try to overthrow the Galactic Empire at some date. Well, the Galactic Empire is a promising but. So it's always up to them, and maybe they just don't want their last name out there, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but he has an interesting, interesting story. He has uh, many years uh, serving our country, both in the military and law enforcement. Uh, he's had to deal with the VA, um, so I'm very interested in how he did with that because I'm about to start my my journey with the VA. And so with that, Albert, the floor is yours. How you doing, everybody? Uh, this is Albert Avalos. I don't mind giving my last name because I really don't care what people think. Um, I've always been that way and always will be. And as my brother-in-law said, I've been in government service most of my adult life, whether it be in civilian or military. Uh, six years EOD, uh, 17 years LAPD. And then I pretty much did a stint with the district attorney's office, investigator, public defender's office, you know, and currently just working you know, money laundering investigations for banks and stuff on a contractual basis. Um, because of my, after the department, I had to use VA more because of the insurance, how it fluctuates with contractors. You really don't get it. So uh, anyway, so yeah, I've had to deal with the VA. So it's been, it's been really interesting. I, I, you know, I'm not here to blow them up because I uh, I actually have had very good experiences with them, but I've also had horrible experiences with them. Uh, the great experience is, is my general doctor is always there for me if I need him. Very good guy, you know, makes attempts to get contact with me, especially the support personnel. You know, we got we don't give them enough credit either. You know, uh, a lot of times uh, the nurse will call me back immediately or they have that secure text messaging. Problem with all that, though, is that it's very difficult to access if you're not familiar with the system or you don't do it right or you forget a name or an age. And as I'm getting older, it's uh, not me so much. But when I go to the VA to check in and stuff, I have to help a lot of the older veterans who are trying to sign in or trying to, you know, figure out what they need or what they do or how to put their their per diem in for driving in and driving back or mileage. Excuse me, not per diem, mileage. And uh, that gets to be difficult. And uh, the specialty doctors I've had a lot of issues with, you know, which are which is surprising because uh, I had cancer uh, back in 2020. Um, I was feeling some pain in my stomach area. So the, the VA allowed me to go outside, you know, to get a, an MRI. Um, so I went to a doctor here who sent me to have an MRI done. For my stomach issue, because I thought it was a, I thought it was a uh, hernia, you know, because I used to be into weightlifting and stuff like that. So I figured maybe it was residual. And um, when I went, they actually just discovered a tumor on my kidney. 
Um, so I went to the VA <clears throat> and they found it. They saw it. Um, and to be truthful with you, I got it. It was uh, found in October of 2019. And they had me, the VA outsourced me, you know, which to be honest with you was the best thing I think they could have ever done. Cause I got a really good doctor who uh, knew what he was doing. Um, knew my health issues cause I'm diabetic. You know, I have high blood pressure, all that stuff. I'm falling apart basically. And uh, he, you know, talked to me, my wife gave us a thing, did tests, found out that it was aggressive. Um, he went in, did the surgery, was successful. It was actually a day before COVID closed down the world. <laughs> you know, it was the day before because I got out, I got out on a Thursday and that afternoon after I got out, they closed the hospital down for COVID because of COVID. So knock on wood, I got out of there. And uh, that was the one really great experience I could say that I felt, you know, because they were there and uh, you called the outside number. Uh, I guess it was the insurance that you're on, uh, whatever. TRICARE. TRICARE. Mm -hmm. They allowed TRICARE to help me because I don't have TRICARE because I'm not retired from the military. So, um, but they were in my opinion, they, they actually helped me out a lot. I mean, they, there was some bill issues and stuff like that. They took care of immediately. And it seems like when I'm outsourced, I get better care, you know, if that makes any sense. Um, and when I was, um, I had, uh, I was having some knee issues. Okay. This is recent. Uh, on my left knee, uh, my knee was really bothering me bad. And I, was, I had a bump on the back of my knee, you know, like a ball. Uh, my general doctor immediately got back to me and he said, you know, I, this is what I think it is. This is what it sounds like. Uh, I, I can't tell you guys what the nomenclature was or any of that stuff. I just, I don't know. He said, uh, you know, probably just, I'm going to send you to the, the therapist or the, or not therapist. What do they call the, um, physical therapy? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Their main doctor was supposed to look at it. You know, this was back in early August. Oh, I still haven't seen them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, they had my appointment set up. I actually, the issue incident happened back in June. Okay. They didn't have any openings for the specialty doctor for this until August. So as I was getting closer to my appointment, they called and canceled. Okay, like maybe a couple of days before, which bothered me a lot. My knee was bothering me, you know, because I have to walk with a cane. And um, I said, okay, that's fine. You know, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like fighting them is not going to do any good. You know, getting mad and getting angry, you know, it's not worth it. So I said, that's fine. So they scheduled me for the end of August because the support was in the beginning of August. Well, as we got closer to the end of August, they canceled again. I have no idea what the issues were with the doctor or what. Well, the doctor, they end up calling me back and scheduling another appointment in September. Well, the day fell on a day that I, I had said, okay, that's fine. Not really saying I had another obligation. So I canceled the appointment. Okay. But they did call me back right away. And now I have my appointment scheduled for Monday. Okay. So we'll see what happens with that. Another issue with the specialty doctor. And I'm sorry for, for yammering on here, guys, you know, or people. Um, but these issues are just like, it's ridiculous. Like I had a, 
under my my arm here. I don't know if Tony can see this. You can see it's like a hole in here. Yeah. Okay. It was a like a rash or kind of itch under my armpit. So you know, I called the dermatologist at the VA. They set me up for an appointment. I go in there, and a guy with a camera shows up. Okay. Well, unbeknown to my doctor, my general doctor, he, 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 like I said, he's a good man. He's doing the best he can. At least I look at it that way. Uh, He gave me two creams for it. Little did he know that the creams cancel each other out, but I didn't know that at the time. So he said, put these two creams on. I said, okay. He goes, it should be getting better, but I'm going to set you up for for the dermatologist. I said, okay. So they sent my medication, and then I went to this appointment and the guy took pictures of the area, sent it to the dermatologist. He sends me a letter four or five weeks later. Says, oh, yeah, treatment's fine. Keep using the ointments. Looks fine. Well, the hole started getting deeper and worse. So I went to an outside doctor. I went in there. She immediately looked at it, knew exactly what it was, looked at the cream, said, this one's canceling out this one. This is the best one to use. Use this one. Within a week, it was gone. But it left a scar and it left a hole in my pit. <laughs> okay. And it's stuff like that that really bothers me a lot. You know, and, and I'm not going to lie. My medication comes pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm getting my medications ahead of time. They're sending it. Or I can go online on my website and order my medication. And they're, they're sending it to me. Fine. I, I haven't had any issues with that. And if I did have issues with it, all I got to do is call. Uh, I have a, uh, a pharmacist doctor that I can call and I'll call her and she'll immediately get my stuff sent out overnight it, if it's important enough because I'm diabetic also. And did I say that? Anyway, uh, but that I really haven't had issues with yet. Okay, but um, again, it's just it's just ridiculous sometimes, you know, but, but for the most part, I have no complaints. I mean, other than I, you know, the, the distance for me to drive to get there. And, and because of the, the financial obligations I make, uh, I have to pay, you know, cause they'll pay you to, to go to the doctor. So I can't, I can't collect on the mileage, you know, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, that, that's my, my uh, experiences with the VA. And I've been with the VA since 2019, I think it was, it was when I first went to them. Cause that's when I, I was switching jobs and I didn't have any insurance at the time. So I immediately went to the VA and, you know, didn't have any issues with that. They, they signed me up right away. But another thing is every year I have to go in and fill out this, this paperwork, you know, saying, yep, this is what I work. This is how much I make. This is what I do every year I have to do. It. And it, it's ridiculous because you get to your appointment at a certain time and then, oh, we can't see you. You got to go down to the office and you have to fill out this paperwork. It. Now, I do get mad at that because that's very aggravating because you get down and say, oh, no, you're fine. The paperwork's here. You go back, oh, no, you can't. You got to go down there. You got to work with them. So, okay. So I go back down there. Oh, no, it's fine. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a game sometimes. But, you know. Yeah, though, you make some great points. Uh, so I was telling you earlier that I talked to my friend Austin yesterday and he was medically retired from the military. And so, he has to go to physical therapy, but because he we live close to Fort Bragg, he has to go to Womack, the hospital there. Mm-hmm. And so he's competing with everyone else who's medically retired, everyone else who's dealing with the VA and active soldiers. 
So he was telling me that his physical, when he goes to physical therapy, he feels great. But because there's so many people, it's and the active soldiers get pushed ahead of him because they're active soldiers. Mm-hmm. That he can go every once every ninety to one hundred and twenty days, and so that just isn't enough for him. And I think you bring up a good point that you know a lot of times the, we take our frustration out on the people that are behind the counter, right? And I'd say as, 90, as we talked about earlier, yeah, you know, a lot of times it's not their fault. No, it's not. They, they have no yeah. control over that. And, and you brought up a great point because I had an appointment at, um, at the Durham VA. Okay. And okay. Let me backtrack here, guys. The VA that I go to is in Greenville, North Carolina. Okay. It's a brand new facility. Well, it's a fairly new facility. So it isn't really inundated with too much. They're not overwhelmed you know, uh, if I can say that. And a lot of the specialty doctors I found out work out of Durham and come once a month, twice a month to the Greenville VA. And that's why the specialty doctors are so hard and rare to see. Um, Just to get that out there. I had to go to the VA uh, for a colonoscopy. Okay. You know, where they stick the camera where the sun don't shine. Um. And, you know, you do your medications, you do your stuff like that. When I went in there, I was honestly taken back because there are a lot of great men in the hallway. You know, they're veterans. I mean, they they fought World War I, I mean, World War II, Vietnam. I mean, we take, we forget those wars, you know what I mean? And, and they've been through a lot. And they're sitting in the hallway and, and these, these uh, I mean, and they're all over. It's not, I'm not just, you know, saying, oh, there was one or two guys there. It it was lined with wheelchairs and veterans sitting in them and just sitting there waiting. And it was packed. I mean, it was just absolutely packed, you know, like like you said, at Walmart. And I was just, and and I looked at my wife and I was saying, this is horrible. You know, why, why aren't these people, you know, the military needs to outsource more. You know, they need to outsource to doctors, you know, within the communities that veterans live. I mean, like you said, if we, we sacrificed our lives for this country and for the people that live in it so that, and like I said, I mean, I've been in, in public service my whole entire adult life. Okay. And let's say what, for over 40 some years, 44 years, 45 years, you know what I mean? If you add up all the time and I did that so people could have the, the freedom and the respect to do what they want, say what they want, uh, go where they want, you know, believe what they want. You know, whether I agree with it or not, it's not my job to 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 sit here and force my beliefs on anybody. You know, you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. And I respect that. And I respect you for that. And when I see these veterans sitting there, I'm thinking, well, what what was all that fight for? <laughs> what was all that? You know, I'm fighting for people to to be able to have, you know, and we and we talk about the fact that this is a great country and that we have such great things here. Okay. We're the richest country or one of the richest countries in the world, yes, but yet our own people take advantage of us. And, and, I, and I don't want to get into political debates here, but you know, I think the politicians should do better. I think that, in my opinion, why don't we put them on our medical plans? You know, it's not, they're in there for, they get, they get voted in and they get the best medical care for the rest of their lives. 
They can go anytime they want. They can go anywhere they want. There's no deductible. There's no premiums. There's nothing. It's free. Okay. But yet they're voting on what we should have. They're saying what we should be on. And they're saying what they believe we should get, how much our pharmacy should, you know, uh, should charge us for our medications and stuff like that. And, and I know this is getting off the subject of a tangent here, but it's, it goes back to the same thing of these veterans. Okay. They have to call, fight and beg to get the medical care they need when they shouldn't have to do that. But if these politicians were on that same kind of policy or on that same program, I can promise you it wouldn't be like this. Things would change. We'd have the best Medicare. We'd have the best, you know, access to medication. We'd have the best, you know, all this. It's just ridiculous that we have to suffer, you know, and, you know, we we boast on all our veterans, you know, we, we respect them. We do them. We do this. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, Tony. Whenever they, whenever they, people tell me, thank you for your service, I don't want that thank. I, you know, I don't believe I deserve that thanks. You know, I didn't do it for that. You know, I did it because it was the right thing to do. It was, it was, it made me a better person. It, it, in, in, you know, I, I know we, we've all been through a lot, you know, and, and I think you and I were talking about PTSD earlier. Look, there are things that haunt me, you know. I mean, I, I never told you this, but I got blown up by when I was in the military. I actually had a, a an explosive device go off, knock me back about maybe 10, 15 feet. Thank God I was still in one piece when I woke up. But a lot of guys didn't. And you want to know what I did? My comrades ran to me said, are you okay? You okay? You okay? I felt like my body was on fire. You know, like, it might, I mean, it just felt like I was being stung by a thousand bees. Like every atom, every molecule in your right. body was just turned on. I, could, I couldn't hear time. for right. two weeks. You could ask your sister. I couldn't hear for two weeks. His sister's my ex-wife. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I couldn't hear for two weeks. But I refused to go to the doctor. Okay? I refused to go because I felt there were more deserving people than I, as we talked about before. Because, you know, one person says, oh, my injuries aren't as bad as somebody else's. They deserve it before me. You know, they deserve the care. And I don't want to take from that supply, you know, which we know is a bunch of bull, you know. And I I was stupid and I didn't go and seek medical. Okay. I just lived with not hearing for two weeks, you know, just constant ringing in my ears, you know, knock on wood. Thank God it it cleared up and and now I'm okay. But the point is we deserve more, you know, and I'm not saying that they owe us anything. I'm not trying to say that. And I'm not trying to say that we need to take, take, take. I just think we need to be treated better by, by, our politicians by, by our, our government, you know, they, they really do need to take care of us they just, and they just don't. And, you know, a lot of times we blame, you know, this general or this colonel because they didn't act upon something they knew about. Well, it's got to come higher up than that. You know, it doesn't just stop there. You know, and that, that's what drives me nuts is that it doesn't just stop with that one person. You know, it had to have made its way up the chain. And we know how command structure works. We know how it works. Okay. You know, you know, it, it goes up the chain of command. It, it doesn't stop there. I mean, like lately, I've been hearing a lot of these commercials about Fort Bragg. I'm not Fort Bragg. Um, Camp Lejeune. Camp Lejeune. Okay. Camp and I'm Lejeune. sure that we, we talk about that. They knew about it back in 83, but yet they allowed it to continue all the way to 89 before they even did anything about it. I'm sure somebody knew about it. And I'm, and I'm sure some politician knew about it. But it's as though... Being in the military, we're trained to, to follow orders, okay? And, and 
I was never really that great at that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I only made sergeant before I got out. Had my own squad, yes, but I, I just I questioned everything. I said, you know, and I didn't, I don't mean I question things in combat or anything like that. No, I, I you don't do that. You you're in a battle. You're in a battle. You, you you're in there for the end. But I mean, after you question, why? You know, why don't we do this? This would have been easier. This would have been better. This would have been, you know, you you question. You can't question. I have a really good friend who was was in Iraq also. He was EOD, Air Force EOD. He was a, he was attached to a Ranger team. Okay, and you know, you you want to know something though, real quick, just real quick. And I know I like to hear myself talk. I was actually back in 80. I was sent uh, to Mississippi, Alabama, because I was EOD, to train with the Rangers as a paramedic, or, you know, as a, like you were, yeah, a medic. What, I'm, I'm sorry, a question, a correction, I'm not medic, explosive expert. And it was funny was that they were starting the pararescue program at that time. So I was one of the pilot dudes to see if you, you know, how you how you re- interacted with them, how the training went. We were pelled out of choppers. They put us out in the middle of the boondocks in the mud, as you know. And they said, "Make your way back. You know, we'll see you guys tomorrow." But anyway, uh, point is, we were there training for that, and and, and we have our, our my friend who actually did it. He was and he's young now. He, he's he's about you know as young as you, uh, as young as my brother in law. Anyway, um, and he was there, and he got blown up. His own feet got hit twice while he was in it. Um, he was knocked out unconscious once, got up, grabbed his weapon, and continued fire, continued engaging. He's a very smart man. You know, and, and I mean, and what I mean by smart is we all know people who are very, very intelligent, but they kind of have no people skills. You know what I mean? Right. And he's a goofball. Don't get me wrong. He's a good guy and a goofball, but he's very intelligent. And he and I, his mother was telling me about him and, and stuff. And, and, and like you guys know, I've been in a lot of gun battles. I've been in a lot of, you know, bad, you know, very scary situations, you know, that I didn't think I was come home. <clears throat> and when I was talking to him, he asked me point blank, what was it all about? Why were we there? You know, he was questioning because, you know, he had friends who were killed. He, you know, his, like I said, his Humvee was hit two times. Was, they targeted him because, you know, back there, you know, explosive experts were targeted. They wanted to be killed because, you know, the, the insurgents didn't want, you know, their devices, you know, disarmed because they were Mickey Mouse. You know what I mean? Um, and he asked me, he goes, I, he goes, I don't understand. And, and you know, he his rack, okay, his rack goes down to his stomach. That's how many medals he has. And he didn't care about that, which which is all of us are like that. We, You know, you look at these guys that get the Medal of Valor. So that's not what they want. That's not, they didn't do it for that. They did it because they wanted to survive. They wanted their friends to survive. So, I mean, we all were there. You know, you, 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 you go into battle because you want to help your friends survive. And, again, the reason I'm telling you guys all this is because – People like that, and, and I, I try not to include myself because uh, I again we go back to the same issue. You know, I don't deserve that. You know what I mean? 
but they deserve more. You know what I mean? He, he deserves more. And, and he has, he's on the same thing you are. He, you know, they, he got a medical pension, you know, because he's, uh, because the concussions he had, you know, he hears ringing all the time. Um, and again, he questioned, but I sat him down and, and him and I were talking one day and I said, you shouldn't be thinking about that because you're never going to get the right answer. You're going to get an answer that, that is, you're going to hate, you know, were we there for oil? Were we there for money? Um, were we were truly there to save, you know, the people there? Um, it really doesn't matter. You were there for that person that was next to you. You were there for your unit. You were there for, for the, the other soldiers that are fighting. You're there to, to bring them home, you know, to make sure they're safe, you know, and if there are people that you save, you know, uh, um, you know, people that were there, whether they hate you or not, because when I was there, I was in, I was in the Middle East back in the, back in the eighties when I was there when, when uh, uh, Sadat was killed and I used to have tea and trade, you know, trade patches and stuff, you know, with the, with the military there. And we were on a base where there was 10,000 um, soldiers and there was only a hundred of us. And uh, when he was killed, they, they tried to kill us. They surrounded us and they were, they were, they were going to kill us. And there was only a hundred of us and we were in two concrete hangars, which RPGs would have taken us out easy. They didn't fire on us. Okay. But we were ready. We had our World War, World War II Vietnam helmets. So we didn't have the, the Kevlar and all those fantasy helmets you guys have now. We had the old buckets. Okay. I don't know if you guys call them buckets, but we had the old military Vietnam era buckets. We ate sea rats. We didn't have this MRE, you know. I hate MREs. Really? Try eating one of those sea rats. It, my mine was dated 1958. But <laughs> seriously, or get that fruitcake or whatever it's called. It's like a rock. You could actually hit a surgeon in the head with it. But but the point is, they didn't like us back then. And these were people that I thought were my friends. These were people that I thought, you know, that, you know, we built a good relationship with, you know, because they were helping us. We were, again, we were training them how to be, you know, how to map their minds and how to find them and stuff like that without killing yourself. And they were, they were going to kill us. They didn't like us back then, but it doesn't matter. Does it, does it really matter if they like you or not? I mean, you save someone's life, you save someone's life, whether it comes back tenfold or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is you were there for your people. You were there for the right reason for yourself. You know, and that, that's the big point people miss. You're there for yourself. You're there for your family. You're there for your mom, your dad. You're, you're not there for the politicians. You're not there for their politicians. You know, you're there because you're trying to protect the rights of your fellow soldiers, of your family, their family, their rights to see their dad, their rights to see their mom, you know, and, and you need to you need to focus on that. You need to not focus on the on the other stuff. You know, on the on the bull. You know. Yeah. So uh, you know, part part of this podcast is you know I want to make it clear to everybody that you know I did twenty two years, um, but I had plenty of opportunities to get out. Right. So I'm the one who kept reenlisting. So mm-hmm. obviously, I liked it enough to stay in. Right. And so I try to carry the good memories with me and that small group of people that I consider not just my friends, but my family, my right. brothers, and the rest of it, just like, you know, the bad memories in the Middle East and the bad memories in the Amazon, that, that can stay there. Right. And because my health, my mental and my physical health is more important than any of that. 
So to go back on your statement of like you saying that when people say thank you to you, you're not, you don't want that. Uh, that used to bother me and I used to feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. I used to feel like it was a joke that people were waiting to pop out and like, you're a phony, you're a joke. You know you're a coward, right? Um, so I was always worried about that. And that's why it would freak me out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my friend Drew was on, he was on the second episode and he brings up a good point. It's like, so people who never served in the military or don't know what it's like, mm-hmm. they, they're not sure what to say. So the best way they can show their appreciation is just by saying, thank you. They don't mean any insults by it. No, no. They're, they're just trying to say, Hey buddy, I, I don't know what you went through but I can see that your body is messed up and thank you for that sacrifice. You know, Tony, a good point is that I had, I, when I was on the police department, um, you had haters. You still do to this day. You know, you have that badge on one person's a bad apple and they blame everybody just like the military. And, you know, I used to have people tell me, Oh, you know, you, you wet back, go home. You wet back and go, well, you don't look American Indian to me. So you're sitting here, you know, I mean, I've got some Indian in me, so I really am Native American. But but the point is, you have people heckling you all the time. And l- let me just give you this one point in particular. Uh, ACLU, you've heard of them. <laughs> I had this one attorney. Uh, I, had, I, was, uh, I was out, and her and I kind of hit it off, and then I find out later on she was because she asked me what I did for a living. You know, and as a joke, I said, oh, I'm a garbage collector, you know, and as the night went on, she found out I was a police officer and right away, you see her change like, well, you know, you guys are are murderers and you're this and you're thieves and you're liars and you're this and that. I said, I said, really, you know, and you know, this firsthand how, well, I, you know, I don't know. So how long have you been out of law school? You know, how long have you been with the ACLU? Oh, a few months. I said, look, if you're going to do this, do it right. I go, if you're going to judge people without knowing what they've been through or what they're going through, go on a ride along. See what they go through. You know, go to a military base. You know what I mean? Ask for a tour. You know, they'll give you one. There's no, they're not hiding it from you. Talk to the soldiers. What do you think? I mean, why do you feel? Just like, a, you know, I told her, you know, going around and talk to the police officer. See what they go through day to day. You know, just do one night. And then if your mind isn't changed more toward, let's keep an open mind. Okay. That's why when I see things happen, uh, you know, when it comes to police officers and stuff like that. Sure, you can look at a video and you can sit there and cringe and say, oh, my God, you know, you shouldn't have done that. But I wasn't there. I don't know what happened before that. I don't know what instigated that. So I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to say anything to them. And, and, and it goes, it's the same thing for the military. You, you can't sit here and say, oh, you're a killer. You're a coward. You're this or that. Really? How many years in the military were you? Really? Wow. What, what, you know, what wars have you served in? I mean, you got to be tactful about it. You don't want to lower yourself to them. You know, and I've learned that through my years of being called a lot of different things through, you know what I mean, uh, through my life. But I've always engaged people in intelligence. And, and you know that. You're very smart, Tony. You, you engage people through intelligence. You don't, gain th- you don't engage them through, through anger. You don't g- engage them through, through uh, you know, n- through not having the knowledge you need. You know what I mean? 
you know, and, and a lot of these guys, they know what's going on. They know what's going on in the military. They know what's going on in their lives. Engage them with your intelligence. Talk to them. Just say, really? Why? I mean, when you have somebody that believes in something you don't, okay, you're not trying to convince them out of it. You just want to know why. Why do you believe in that? What makes you believe in that? Even though you will never change your mind, you're not interested in what they believe in. You're just interested in why. What's the purpose? And, and it goes back to the same thing, you know, about military and service and combat and stuff. Why? You, you ask yourself, you know, why? And I think to myself, why did I put myself in all through all that? Why, you know? So th- that's definitely true. And you make some valid points. Um, you know, part of this podcast, though, is, you know, to make sure that everyone knows that we're at a point where we're adults, you know, and we don't, in the military, we're trained where we have to explain ourselves for everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Well, why did you go to the bathroom? How'd it go? Well, why didn't you hold it? You know, it's, it's ridiculous things like that, that people have to go through in the military. Once you're out, your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health, that's super important. So it's okay to say, I'm voting for Emperor Palpatine because on Tuesdays I vote for Emperor Palpatine and you don't have to like it. You don't have to understand it. And more importantly, I don't have to explain myself to you because I don't want to waste the time and energy that's involved with all that nonsense. I just want to live my life happily. And part of this podcast is to make sure that everyone understands that you do what makes you happy. So if you want to engage in that, um, we're going to do it. Like I said, we're going to do an episode on conspiracy theory not because I'm, it, I, I just want to, like, again, I want to understand, like, why do some people, uh, you know, buy 50 to 100 rifles, hundreds of thousands of rounds, and then bury them in their backyard and with MREs? I, I think that's fascinating. And it's not, I don't want to drink, bring up politics. I just want to, uh, I'm sure a little bit of politics will have to come into A lot it. of bit of politics will go that. <laughs> so we're not going to delve into that because I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're a new made-up party. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't – that doesn't matter. That do, you vote. We are in a country where if you're born here or if you're a naturalized citizen, you can vote and you don't have to explain why to anyone mm-hmm. for any reason. This – I don't know if people really understand how precious that is. It really, I mean, let's, let's take Ukraine. Right now they're holding that res- resolution vote so that Russia can annex that part of Ukraine. Well, they got guys with guns standing at the door, making sure you're voting for what you want. Just And, and you got to think about stuff like that. You think about the Middle East where they don't really get a vote. You, th- you, you think about areas that people just don't have the right. And, and you think about your rights. Right? Really, whatever you believe. You believe, like you said, and, and and getting back to the mental health aspect of it. Look, it is true. You you need to do what you need to do to make you happy. That's that's the most important. Not care about what other people think. You know, you you just have to do what what makes you feel, and you have to seek out help. And and again, being in all the rough professions that I've been in, I know that firsthand. You know, you you, you don't ask for help. You get shot, you, you put a Band-Aid on it, and you move on. You know, you, you get in a crash. Nah, I did, my shoulder's hanging off my arm, but it's okay. I'll just pop it back into place. You know, that it's it's 
I've seen it. I've seen that happen. I mean, I've had partners do that. I've done that. You just suck it up. In the military, same thing. You have a partner fall out and smash his face on the freaking pavement. You're not allowed to break that line to help him. I understand why, though, because, you know, you're talking about the safety of the rest of the people if you leave your position to help someone else. But the point is, ask for help. Go get help. You'd be surprised how a lot of these professionals will help. And if you're not happy with that professional, you're not happy with that person you went to seek help with, whether it be, you know, a psychiatrist, a counselor, a friend, you know, who would understand more than your friends? I mean, we used to see horrible. We've seen the worst that society has to offer. We go out with our friends who've seen the same thing that we did and we have a beer and we talk about it and we joke about it. You know, we make jokes. That's how we deal with it. But that's only part of it, you know, and you you need that family support and and you got to understand, you got to accept your family support that you're going to have issues if you don't, because you don't want to burden your wife. You don't want to burden your mom and dad. You don't want to burden your brothers or family. Because you're thinking by telling them what you're going through, what you've been through, you're going to put it on them. That's not what happens. They're there for you. They're there to support you. You know, I I probably haven't lost my mind because of my wife, you know, and I've been to counseling too. I went to counseling and, and I I felt it helped me tremendously. You know, I mean, it was earlier in my life I did it, but I, I once in a while I'll think back of, you know, things that were lost, you know, that I felt were my fault. Lives I'm talking about, you know, lives that I've taken or, you know, lives that didn't make it there on time or, you know, um, just dumb things like that. And I, I do say they're dumb because they are dumb because I couldn't help that. I could not have prevented that, you know, no matter what. There's no way I could have prevented that. And I've accepted that. And again, it's it's because of my family, you know, my wife, my kids, you know, my grandkids. Like, you know, we were talking about earlier, seeing their smile or that little baby saying, you know, don't do that. Be nice, you know. And when you start going off and start being mad, you think about that beautiful little face telling you to be nice. And you'll change your attitude. You know, you'll change and all that. But please, if you need help, get it. It's not a big deal. It really isn't. You're not, people aren't going to look at you like, oh my God, you, you're a weakling. You're a coward. You need help. Well, yeah. When you were in the trenches and you're being shot at, or you're being blown up, or you were being, you know, you seen your partners dying or your, your fellow soldiers dying and all that. Would you go over there to help them or just let them bleed out saying, well, you suck it up. You know, you wouldn't, you'd be over there to help them. Right. Well, it's kind of the same thing. You know, you, you need help. Seek it. Go out, get it. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in it. Yeah. So um, with that, I want to say um, thank you to Tracy. Um, she's still in the military, so I don't want to use her last name because I don't want to get her in trouble. Um, but just seeing her and going through the therapy with her helped me out a lot. It, it was rough. I mean, it was an easy therapy. I, I think I'd rather, I don't know, road march 50 miles and do some of those sessions, but it helped. And part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because of the assistance that she gave me. I want to make sure everybody understands that. Like, it's okay to do that. Cause when I would go into my sessions, I'd be in the waiting room and then somebody would come out that I knew 
It's like, well, that guy's getting help, so I guess it's okay that I'm here getting help. And that's the problem. And then, you and know, then when I would come out, there's somebody else that's sitting there that I knew. So I guess it isn't a stigma. I guess it isn't, you know, something to be embarrassed about. And that's the funny thing is when you're in a firefight and you're there, you're not thinking about, well, you go. No, you go. You go. You go. You all go. You just go, you know. And it's kind of the same thing when you're out there like, I'm not going to go see a doctor. No, I'm not going to go see a doctor. I'm not a coward. No, you're a, you know what I mean? I mean, you don't say that to each other, but you, you think that, you know, my, my, they're going to think I'm not tough. They're going to think that I'm not going to be there and, and I'm not going to do it. But no, no, you, 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 you need to get help. You, you really not need not be afraid and not put a stigma on it saying that, you know, I'm a coward or, or I'm being less of a person not doing it. Everybody needs it. Everybody does. So along with that, I, we were speaking earlier before the podcast started about um, just the mentality that we have in the military. We're not really trained or geared towards giving people compliments or trying to we support people, but in this odd negative way where if you do something well, it's like, why well, you didn't screw that up too badly or why well, you, you did your job. It's yeah. like, or I'm going to reward you by giving you Saturday, Sunday off. And the reason why I bring that up is because I started this podcast. And yes, I know my intro music is not the greatest. Okay. I'm working on it. <laughs> and I know that my having my picture on the cover for the podcast is one egotistical, um, two, probably not the best picture of me. And I've heard multiple comments about both, but I have not heard one person say, Hey, uh, I have a buddy that can write a jingle for you. So, it, it'll improve your podcast. Actually, I do. And that'd be great. That'd be awesome. I would love the the assistance. And your I, nephew, Jake? Oh, that's right. He's a musician. That's right. Him and his, him and his fiance are both musicians. Uh, Ashley <clears throat> is too, but she's like, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the, the pictures, right? Like, I've heard both, like, that's a hideous picture. <laughs> that's an ugly picture. But I haven't heard anybody say, hey, why don't you, like, see if you can find a local in, in artist in other to words, draw why something. Why aren't they giving you, since they're, they're bringing you down, then give me some advice. I mean, it's just it's just like, again, going back so, to, to the issues. So it's they're not really bringing me down. They're trying to give me positive feedback. But they're not giving but you. But in a military way. A way to correct it. And that's what I'm trying to say is that we did all this time in the military. Mm-hmm. We need to focus on ourselves and change our mindset. And it, it it's okay to like admit that you like. I love the movie Grease, right? I'm out of the army now, so I can. Yeah, I love that. Movie. Wow, man, you're a weirdo. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if you say that in the army, that's exactly what you're going to hear. Of course you are. Well, what's yeah. wrong with you? No, I like Hallmark movies. So, and it's all right. It's okay. You, you know, it's funny, is that people will ask you, okay. If that person who, who kind of brings you down a little bit about something, and, and I know sometimes they're friends and they don't mean to, that's just the way they, that's all they know, is I've had people ask me, oh, big, tough guy like you, you know, all the things that you've done, and you like Hallmark movies? Yes, because I don't have to think, you know? I already know the ending. I know the beginning. I know the middle, but I don't care. It's just relaxing. It's you know, and, and we talked about that, you know, like when you have mental issues, mental health. Uh, back in my younger days, my outlet was working out. 
I would always go to the gym. You know, your sisters would give me, your sister would give me a $20 and quarters and say, go to the arcade. You know, that would be my outlet, you know, or, or hitting the gym, go to the gym, work out. You know, that was my outlet. See, and you have to have that outlet. You know what I mean? You know, whether it be watching Grease or watching Hallmark movies or working out or, or you, you got to get your mind right. You know what I mean? And, and I know some people say, well, if I run, I start thinking about all the bad. Well, you know what? Maybe you need to think about the bad, but look at it in a different perspective. Could you have stopped it? Let's just say you're thinking about that bad. Okay. But if you weren't there, those people, would they be dead or would they be alive? Because you were there, it could have saved them. I mean, you don't know. You never know. You know what I mean? You know, like, like I used to tell my partners when we were on patrol, I used to say, if you have a bad feeling, if something in your gut tells you it doesn't feel right, tell me. I said, then we will react to it. I said, because I would rather be safe than sorry. Because you're not going to know if your gut was right or wrong. Not all the time. But you're still making sure that you go home safe. So, and that's what you have to think about. You have to think about that when, when you're talking about your mental health. And you, you say, I go running and I think about the bad things that happen. Well, think about this, though. By you not being there, maybe more people would have died. You know, maybe you distracted something or maybe you fired around that 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 made somebody else or a sniper look or make made, you know, an IED go off by accident by someone else or something else over an insurgent side. You know, the point is, don't overanalyze it. Just think about that. Think about you were there with those brothers supporting them, you know, mentally. You know what I mean? You, you By you being there, you know, bringing somebody up or or. Or having somebody take care of you. You know, you, you have that one person who wants to help you, who knows you're, you're angry all the time and makes jokes with you and stuff like that. Maybe that helps you get through it, you know? And, and again, you know, just don't, don't get in, don't do that to yourself because it's not going to get you anywhere but a freaking high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer. And, <laughs> and, and, and please, uh, I'm not, Saying I'm a saint or a perfect because anybody who knew what? me during my that's military not what, that's career, what you told me before the podcast. Anybody who knew me in my military career would say that I was probably the biggest cynic who was ever in the army, right? Well, Tony, I'm your brother-in-law, dude. I've known you since you were a baby. Okay, <laughs> trust me, you've always been a cynic. <laughs> so, with with that being said, um, you know I'm like you have to want to change. You have to put an effort to change your. Um, your lifestyle, your personality, mm-hmm. the way you think. It, it's not going to happen overnight. So maybe the first day you just do one right. small thing. Right. Then the next day, maybe you don't do anything. And that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And the day after that, maybe take three steps backwards. Right. And, and then the, the day after that, you take two steps forward. It's it's okay. We're, the military has this. I, I never understood this in the military where you show up to a range to train people and your commander, your leadership, they're mad because they're not experts. It's like, well, we're here to train, not to qualify. Like this isn't the test. This is just the learning period. It's like, well, they should have known by now. It's like, how are they supposed to know if we don't have live rounds at the unit? It's like, make it happen, which is always my, um, 
I learned early on in my military career that was that that was ineffective leadership, just somebody not knowing what they were doing um, with either make it happen or fix it NCOs. And, and another thing too is how many battles they've been in. You know what I mean? How many times did they fire their weapon? Because you know, you, you think about this, Tony. Being an instru- a shooting instructor, as you know, I was too. Think about this. You can sit here and be a distinguished expert, okay? And, and I'm sure that goes the same thing in the military as it does in, in, in the police life. And again, military and police life both. You could sit here and shoot the gnat off the butt of a deer, okay? But you get into battle or you're in a gunfight, it's nothing like that. It is nothing like that. You know, and, and, and I, I've got a, I, just a good example is uh, a friend of mine and I, uh, we were working undercover and we were following a car full of gangsters. Gangsters pulling in an alley. Okay. And the alley was pretty tight. I'm sure they did that on purpose because they didn't want any other units to get in there to get to us. And they, all four of them jump out the car and start shooting at us. Well, my partner, distinguished expert, best on the department. Okay. Didn't hit one, not one person. <laughs> so the point is, getting to your point, is somebody not actually understanding, you know, being in battle, being in, in a gunfight or being, you know, shooting that weapon. It, you can train, train, train. You, you're training to survive. You're giving them the skills to survive if they get into a situation like that. And, and that's what leadership doesn't understand. You're not, sh- you're not training them for a headshot. Okay, you're, you're training them for mass, body mass, you know, as long as they can get within that body mass, you know, and, and that's what's important. That's what. And again, you go back to it you know, that that comes from from leadership, not understanding, you know, and we being NCOs, we always know the fact that you need to to train for it and you need to be in it with them. Okay. I mean, you need to be there with them. You need to, I mean, I understand that we have to have our leadership stand back. You know what I mean? And control a situation and dictate what needs to be found, like flanking or doing this or doing that, whatever, whatever they decide for us to do. But without them actually being there in battle, understanding the actual feelings and situation of shooting at somebody, you know what I mean? Shooting at a live person and taking that life, which it comes back to, you come back to the effect of mental health because you're thinking to yourself, you know, that, that, and you can't think that, but you will, you know, do they have a family? You know, uh, you know what about their kids? Or what about this? What about that? You know, because you think about yours, you know, and, and again, we go back to the same issues. You can't think about that. You know, that, that person as far back could have killed one of your people or had killed one of your people. And I'm not saying this is a revenge thing. I'm just saying it was a battle. It it stays there. It has to stay there. Yeah. Um, so just to touch on your topic about the leadership, um, f- from my perspective and only my perspective, I, I explained this to uh, my friend Jesse, who I had on the pod a couple of episodes ago. Um, we're talking about Afghanistan, not so much the, the whole politics of Afghanistan, but just when the situation happened last year, I was still a first sergeant. And two people, uh, a few people come into my office and say, hey, top, I want to volunteer to uh, uh, go. It's like, if, if there's an opportunity, I want to go. And so I had to, you know, 
do the George Costanza and do the opposite of my natural instincts, right? So it's like, okay, well, let me hear what you have. And so they told me the explanations like, well, you know, I haven't done my time. You know, I feel like I, I need to like go and do, you know, do my part. And it's like, yeah, that's not good enough. And it's like, well, and then this young NCO, I, I like him a lot. And he's like, well, wouldn't you do it? And when he said that, I had to ask him to please get up and get out of my office before I shot put you out of this office. Because for me, I don't want anybody to have to go to war or to combat if there's no reason, if there's no, and if you volunteer, I'm going to tell you, go away. You're, you're going to have to mandate me to send these people because the baggage, it, it's not like the movies. Okay. It's, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, it's when you come back, you carry that with you and people are different. Some people will carry it for a day. Other people carry it for the rest of their lives. You don't know which type you are until you have to go through that. And I don't want anyone to have to go through that. I'd rather you did your service. You did what your country asked you to do. You just didn't go to combat because there was no combat at the time. If we couldn't solve all of our issues diplomatically, that'd be the best solution for me. If not, if we can do it by launching some Hellfire missiles, some Tomcats, some whatever missiles, mm-hmm. the Moabs, then let's do that. Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> Before sending people in. That would be my how I would handle things. Um, but I know it's like this this craziness of well, I'm going to volunteer. Well, what do you think? I'm going to stand up and give you a standing ovation? No, get out of my office. You crazy? And, and- if you think about this, that's kind of the opposite of not asking for help. These young kids who haven't really seen battle want to go back, want to fight, want to do this, want to do that, right? Not understanding the repercussions of that, you know, being in combat and, and again, like you said, bringing all that baggage back. You know, you went starry-eyed. The movies tell me, I need to be brave. I need to fight. I need to do this and do that. You know, I need to do this, Right. I'll be a hero. But then you ask every veteran who received the Medal of Valor or every cop that received the Medal of Valor, okay? Did You know, are you happy with that? No, they don't want it. That's not why they did it. And we go back to the same issue. You know, a lot of these guys didn't do it to get that Medal of Valor. You know, they, they did it to save the people they care about's lives, you know, that person in the foxhole with you or that person in the mound with you or that person in the tank with you or that person in the Humvee with you or in the Jeep or whatever, whatever your situation is. That's why you're there. That, that's what, that's why you did what you did. And you never know. And these men didn't do it to get the valor. They didn't say, well, you know what? I'm going to save all these people's lives so I can get the medal of valor. Okay. Well, what benefit comes with that? Nothing but the people you didn't save. Yeah, I saved all these people, but what about all the other ones that died? You know, I mean, it just, it's a two way street. And, and us as military people, and, you know, whatever, we need to appreciate the fact of what they've been through, not the medal itself. It's always a selfless act to save or give your life for another. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not saying don't disrespect, don't 
to disrespect that. What I'm saying though is that we need to, to care about the person who earned that medal. You know what I mean? You know the the you, you know they have the PTSD. They have PTSD. You, you know they've been through a lot to get that medal. They had to have gone through a lot, and not one of them. I mean, look at seriously, seriously. Think about this. All the people that have gotten that. If you ever sat down and were able to talk to one, they, every one of them would tell you that's not why they did it, and they didn't care about that. And they probably didn't even want to get it. It's kind of like blood money, you know. And you're giving me this for what? I saved two lives out of 25, you know. I couldn't save them. You know, we always put that on ourselves as a burden. I should have done more. I should have, because, you know, you're taught from birth. You're special. You're this, you're that. You can do this, you can do that, you know. And then when you fall short of that, you blame yourself. When it's, when you had, there was no way, nothing you could do. Nothing you could do. So, yeah. So also, um, just to go back, uh, with with the stuff with the VA, it's we're not trying to put the VA down. It's just not at all. We know that there's people there are overworked, right? Just like we were overworked in the military. Well, now they have a tidal, limited sources and a tidal wave of patients, not just from the war on terror, but people from the Gulf War, people from Vietnam, Korea. We still have World War II vets out there. A couple Anybody of World War Ones here and there too. So they're overworked. Um, my when I was transitioning out of the military, um, I never went to sick call. Right, uh, the first time I went was in 2017, <clears throat> and I was there for an hour and a half with them taking in just my data because I had never been there, and it was for sinus problems. And the doc there was an imbecile, so I left, and I, I got nothing. Right, so. 2020, I finally started going in because I started like realizing, well, I have pains. Maybe I should have them checked out. And when I was actually doing my SFL tap and I had to go to the VA brief, there was this retired cook sergeant major who was giving us the brief and she never transitioned. And this is why I really emphasize you have to make that transition out of the military because once you're out, you're out. Because she was still introducing herself as I'm sorry, major retired, so and so. It's like, so you're just so and so because you don't have any more rank. Mm-hmm. That's done. You're, you're done. And so she's giving us the brief <clears throat> about the VA, and I got absolutely nothing out of it. The best thing she could have done was just said, Here, here's a booklet you can leave. And I would have saved eight hours of my life. Um, because she was standing up there saying, well, I don't understand why people go to sick call in their last like year of being in the military. When you go to see the VA, it's all based on range of motion. It's like, yes, you moron. But if I can't lift my shoulder, then maybe they need some imagery to understand why. Because I need both shoulders replaced, the left hip, the left knee, and I have five compressed discs. In my lumbar spine. And guess how many um, joints there are in your lumbar spine? Five. So every every part of my lumbar spine is compressed. And this moron is saying, well, I, well why are you going to sit call? Well, here's something that she didn't understand. I don't have to explain myself to you. It's not like there's, I have to make so many sit call appointments a year or I lose my uh, eligibility. And there's Go. no more military structure. Yeah. 
And that's what you're trying to say. There's no military structure. Yet she's presenting herself. I am a sergeant, major, whatever. Well, well, this was when I was still in, but she was out already. No, but that's what I'm saying. She's introducing herself like that to trying to influence herself upon your thing. And the first thing, first of all, in my opinion, and, and I understand your frustration, and I got a question for you, is why is she there influencing her own beliefs on people that need help? Okay. And my question to you is, why didn't you leave? Now, it's not an, it's not a question for you to really answer. You didn't leave out of respect for the people that were there. Maybe there were some people that didn't understand. Maybe there were some people that did that. But it goes back to the same thing. When people question themselves, why didn't you leave? Because I'm not going to no, make I a scene. No, I be perfectly honest. It, it had nothing to do with that because I was a retiring first sergeant. So what was going to happen to me? Absolutely nothing. No, but that's what I'm saying, though, is so I was sitting. Leave. No, I was sitting there filling out applications online because I took my computer with me. So I was being productive. <laughs> but you still didn't leave. So I, I was there doing something productive. Right. Yeah, but and the then, point is, the point is, you're respectful still, okay? And and that and that goes to show your character. I mean, you're you're not a jerk. You're not trying there to hurt people and all that. You may not believe or agree with a lot of these people that do, they do, and it goes back to the same issue, like you said. You know, transitioning to civilian life is very difficult because, trust me, I you know, knock on wood, I've always been in a quasi-military type of you know structure. You know, being on the police department, same thing, quasi-military. Most of the guys there, most of the men and women there were prior military, and we all had a lot in common. You know, we we all seen a lot, been through a lot. You know, a lot of the guys I went, I was in in there with were Vietnam vets, stuff like that. You know, and uh, <clears throat> anyway, the 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 point is, uh, there's nothing wrong with seeking help. You know, and you shouldn't allow somebody no matter what they claim to be or in their mind need to be, you know, because again, some of us get out and we still forget, you know what I mean? We, we still answer to that. I mean, I still see the flag. I salute, you know, I still hear reveille. I want to shoot myself, <laughs> you know, at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. I mean, I, to this day, I've been out since what? 84. I got out of the military in 84 <clears throat> to this day right now. 2022. I hear that. I cringe. I cringe. You know, and, and you know, my wife too. She she's funny because I started. I heard that. I'm like, oh, she, what's wrong? That song. I just want to go up there and beat the bugler. You know, <laughs> because yeah. I mean, as everyone in the military knows, that's our wake up call. Um, but but. You know, the point is just don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't allow people to influence your decision. You know, oh, your arm's falling off. You're okay. No, that's the mentality we were talking about earlier. You know, like you said, you know, people get in that mentality of of the brass or, you know, somebody's, oh, you're a wussy for going, you know, you know, going to the doctor. And that's the mentality. And you need to, you need not to listen to that. And if you feel bad like you, you know, your shoulders, your hip, your back. I mean, you sacrifice your body. And I think about that too. Look at me. I sacrifice my body, you know, for what? To be defunded, to be called criminals, to be, you know, spit on. Like, you know, like we go back to the military issue with, with people coming home from war and baby killers, stuff like that. You know, I mean, my day was Vietnam and all that. But but the point is, you know, you, you still fear that. 
you know? No, no. So um, I don't know why, but I was always called white devil, white dog. Um, excuse this. Um, I'm saying it just because this is exactly what that young man told me in uh, South America. He called me a stupid white bitch. And so that young man I chased down, um, I took offended to being called white. <laughs> took offense to that. And so I chased him down. He was horribly out of shape, so I caught him pretty quick. He didn't realize I ran marathons. You speak Spanish too, don't you? Well, this was in Guyana. But yeah, I'm fluent in Spanish now. Okay. You should have talked to him in Spanish. He would be like, ah. Uh, no, it was, it was quite hilarious because his friends uh, abandoned him pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we get called different things. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's in the past. So I'll... Like, uh, you know, I like to reference East L.A. when I took uh, Ashley out there. Right. In 2014, you know, drove by, hey, look, this is where we grew up. We were literally yeah. born in East L.A. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we, the drove, point. we drove down the street, and she's like, are we going to get out? It's like, no. I'm not, I'm not rolling down the window. I'm not unlocking the doors. We're going to turn up at City Terrace Park. Did you go by our old house? Yes. Your old house? Yeah. Down to City Terrace Park. We turned around and got out of there. It's like, we don't want to go down the hill. It's like, if we go down the hill, we might not make it back. Yeah, it's it's dangerous. We we grew up in a very bad area. Uh, we both grew up in uh, in East Los Angeles in a, a very gang, heavily gang infested area. And uh, thank God, knock on wood, we all survived. You know, becoming gang members and being killed by gang members. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, you know it was an eye opening thing, and maybe that's where we got our our wanting to protect people because we used to see our buddies getting picked on by gang members or bullied and. You know, we just we just didn't like that kind of situation, uh, and that's probably why you and I maybe have some reason why we do we do what we did. Um, but again, we go back to the same issue. You know, we we grew up in an area where our family said, you know, you don't ask for help, you don't need help. You know, how dare you ask for help? You know, you be punished, and then you get in the military, and it's the same thing. You know, you need help, you're weakling, you wussy, you this, you're that. You know, and I'm not going to lie, I I fell for the same hype. I did the same thing. I messed up my shoulder. You know, when it crashed in a high-speed chase, <laughs> oh, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. My, my shoulder was in the back of my back, but I'm fine, I'm okay. I'm, I, uh, you, know, you know, and I, I got shot and I pulled out my little, my holster, and I had a knife on my holster or my Sam Brown. I popped the pellet out because it was a shotgun, you know, and uh, put a band, had the paramedics put a bandaid on it and uh, went to work because I was afraid. You know, what are people going to think of me, you know, you know, and uh Anyway, getting back to 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 the topic is that I was stupid. I didn't ask for help, you know, and and I did seek help though. Don't don't get me wrong. I did eventually seek help, and uh, you know, as, as you said, I don't remember who the person was I spoke to, but it was part of uh, the mental health network for me, and uh, the person was very good, very nice, you know, and uh, I got a lot of benefit from that. I've dealt with a lot of issues, a lot of ghosts, a lot of uh, you know. Things that you look back and you say, you know, I could have done that better. I could have done this better. But second guessing yourself is not going to help. It doesn't help at all. You need to look forward to the future and you need to have that support system in place. And the support system is my family. You know, my, my grandkids, my daughters, my kids, you know, just having them there, seeing those beautiful little faces, seeing your children grow up to be productive people. I mean, you're not always lucky, you know, because some of my children didn't turn out to be productive, but I still love them. Nevertheless, you know, you, you still hope one day they'll wake up, but the ones that are succeeding in, in, in doing things with their lives makes you proud, you know, and eventually, you know, like we were talking about our grandkids, 
that, you know, they're pretty little faces. It, you know, well, what did your grandkid tell you? Uh, you just, just be nice, grandpa. And, and it, and it followed him, you know, it followed him. Uh, but you, you picture that beautiful little face telling you that, and it, it makes you change. It makes you want to be better person, you know, and, and again, you know, uh, like that cartoon I watched a thousand times with my grandkids, uh, meet the Robinsons, you know, mm-hmm. keep moving forward. You know, that, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Keep moving forward, man. Don't look back. There's nothing, there's nothing back there. What's back there? What is back there that you need to look back for? You know, unless it's somebody with a gun or a knife coming after you, <laughs> you know, I mean, I still sit with my back to the door, a uh, back uh, 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 front facing the door. I still do that to this day. Every time I'm in a situation, I reach for my gun. I mean, you know, that's not there. <laughs> you know, it's just, I always look around when I come out of a house or go near a car, but that's just part of my autonomic responses to the training that I received, you know, and, and, and that's the way it's always going to be. And you need to deal with that in a, in a way to where your family's not afraid, you know, and let them in, let them in, especially, especially if you have a wife or you have a girlfriend, let them in, you know, if they run, then at least you got that one pain in the butt out of the way, you know, (laughs) and if they stay, then, you know, they're there to help you, you know, and you get that, you got that one person that, that can help you, that listens to you, that knows what you're going through. All right, so we've been on for about an hour now. So oh my we God, always want to we always want to end. <laughs> you know, two things before we end. We always want to promote a military business if we can. Um, so this this week I'm going to promote uh, Pineland Embroidery. It's owned by uh, my buddy uh, Rich Bisball. Um, you can go on Facebook or just go into the Google machine and type in Pine Pineland. It's P I N E L A N D Embroidery, and uh, check out what he has. His quality is really great i had a bunch of t-shirts made up uh for the company when i was in and it was really great um he will give you some good prices if you want to send the t-shirts if you have a particular t-shirt you want to use send it to him and then he'll do the design on it and send it back to you or you can purchase t-shirts from him hey, hey one good thing about being a veteran or being military you get that one free day of food on veterans day <laughs> <laughs> we can all indulge <laughs> so uh albert um did you want to promote anybody out there, anybody's business? Um, just, just your mental health people and the people that are out there working in general. Okay. Just appreciate them a little better. They're doing the best they can. It's, you know, especially at the VA, you know, the, the support personnel are really trying to help you. And, and it seems like they do more help than the actual doctors and stuff. But, but seriously, you know, just say thank you once in a while. And like you were talking about when you went into a business earlier, you said this woman, this poor girl behind the counter was having a hard time. And my brother-in-law said, you know, hey, calm down. It's just dumbness. You know, you're doing a great job. You know, you're doing a great job. And and, I, and you know in your heart and soul that she appreciated that. You know, just a little yes. thank you here and there for everybody. Definitely. Um, so we usually do shout-outs to uh, pets, you know. But since you're a grandpa, you can decide to do a shout-out to pets or your grandbabies or whoever you want. Pets and grandbabies, whatever. whatever whoever you want to give a shout-out to this week. Uh, you know, I really want to get, give a shout out to my brothers and sisters, military police, you know, that's been a part of my whole life, you know, and, and no matter what happens, I consider them family. I really do. You know, because if I'm somewhere with a bunch of civilians, I tend to gravitate to these people and we always tend to have and click, you know, so just, uh, thank you all for your services. 
And, and I know as me, I hate people telling me that, but you know, just, just thank you for being a brother and a sister. Thank you for being there for me when I needed you the most. All right. For me, uh, I want to give a shout out to, uh, the professional wrestler, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> you uh, dork. My, my grandbaby loves Cody. Oh. <laughs> um, you're right. her, you're her right. hero now. Um, I'm no, <laughs> long, I'm no longer her best friend and I'm not her hero. So I'm falling down that totem pole. Um, but Cody, you're, you're, you're the man. Um, so thank you all for listening. Um, please pass this uh, podcast on to whoever, you know, who might uh, need some assistance, you know, with mental health, physical health, or, financial health, whatever. Again, I'm always here. Just you can send me an email at arantonyrodriguez98 at gmail.com. If I can help you, then you can find somebody that can can get you in contact with somebody who can help you out. Um, And as always, zot, 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 and roll tide. Talk to you next time.